Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Do you remember the Seinfeld where Kramer got the wrong vanity license plates at the DMV? Yes, I do. I'm here to pick up my new plates. My name's Kramer, Cosmo Kramer. And you remember what they spelled out? I do. A S S M A N. Oh no, these don't belong to me. I'm uh, I'm not the ass man. I think there's been a mistake. What's your name again? Cosmo Kramer. Cosmo Kramer. You are the ass man. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, Kramer was not. The plates did belong to a doctor, although he tried that for a while. Mm-hmm, Dr. Sure. Cosmo Kramer. Proctology. <laughs> They were mistakenly given to Kramer. But there's a story in the news about vanity plates today. Guy is selling the rights to the plates that he has claimed for more than 50 years. Man's name is Claude Arthur Stewart Hamrick, and that's important. Remember that. Claude Arthur Stewart Hamrick, former lawyer, rich dude, Silicon Valley, California there. According to Business Insider, he's giving up the plates that he first registered back in 1970. He's asking $2 million through a broker to hand over the rights. So I'm going to guess here. Say the name one more time. Okay. Ready? Claude. Uh, where is the guy's name? Claude. I think his second name was an A and S. And Claude an Arthur Stewart Hamrick thinks he could get $2 million to let somebody else have this on the back of their car. So the plate is cash. C-A-S-H. Cash. Who is going to spend that? Ca- I'd rather spend it for Asman. <laughs> Why would would you want cash? You're going to spend millions of dollars for that? He thinks he's going to get it. Says he's been offered uh, big money over the years, wanted to keep it. Now he's ready to give it up. And thinks he's going to get two million. Okay. If someone's dumb enough to to buy it, I'm going to. Yes, I will give you. Give me money. I will give you Mm -hmm. the thing. Well, to Eric's point, I don't know if Ass Man is still available (laughs) in in California, but it's certainly already taken in New York. No, I'm not the Ass Man. Well. As far as the state of New York is concerned, you are. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. No Giannis, no problem as the hottest team in all of sports just keeps on winning as the Milwaukee Bucks Distinguish the Suns 104-101 to to secure their 43rd win of the season and their 14th straight win. They're out there with Lopez, Crowder, and Ingles. Holiday pulls up. Shot on the way. Got it! Three-pointer from Drew Holiday, who delivers in the clutch yet one more time. Bucks by two with 2.06 to go. It was a game that saw a total of 14 lead changes and some back-to-back big-time shots from both teams. But when the Bucks were up two... With 23 seconds left, it was the Suns with the ball with the chance to tie or take the lead. But once again, and you can stop me if you've heard this before, it was knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Booker with 23 seconds to go, calling for the screen. He's got coming out to help him. On the outside there is going to be Lee. Now drives on Holiday. Lost the basketball. It's picked up by Lopez. He'll get it ahead to Holiday. Holiday's across midcourt as he's fouled. Holiday was fouled, and he would hit one of the two free throws. After that game, head coach Mike Budenholzer on the importance of Drew Holiday's defense. Just rewind whatever. You know, we've been doing it for two, three years now. It's He's phenomenal. His hands are phenomenal. Um, his competitiveness is, you know, high, high level. Um, 
you know, he's got a knack uh, for getting deflections and steals and meaningful moments, and that's what winners do. Winners indeed, as the Bucks now take their 14-game win streak over to Brooklyn for a Tuesday night matchup. In college hoops over the weekend, both the UWM Panthers and Marquette Golden Eagles won as the Panthers defeat Cleveland State 81-72 to and Marquette knocked off DePaul 90-84. to That left the Wisconsin Badgers, who needed a win, and things were looking good late for them. They were up three with just over 10 seconds left. A wobbly inbound pass, a deflection, and the failure to follow, which led for Michigan with a chance to tie it. Williams. Up top, Dickinson, dangerous pass. Dickinson at the horn. That's good! He got it! Hunter Dickinson, who had some harsh words for the Badgers prior to the game, would tie the game as time expired in regulation, force overtime, and the Michigan Wolverines completely dominated the extra five minutes, outscoring the Badgers by eight to win 87-79. to Head coach Greg Gard on the dilemma of following late with no luck. Yeah, I mean, these these guys battled their butts off. I mean, I, I can't ask for any more from them. And we were trying to foul up the floor coming up in the last, you know, seven, eight seconds. I'll have to look back through the tape. I don't know what we need to do to get a foul. Obviously, to the borderline of tackling, but we were, we were fouling up three. And obviously, they didn't call it. We didn't foul hard enough, apparently. But, uh, you know, just uh, I'll find the positives in the film. Prior to the loss, the Badgers were projected to be one of the final four teams in the NCAA tournament. They only have two games remaining in their regular season as Selection Sunday is just two weeks away. Coming up, Denny Green once said it. The Bears are who we thought they were. And Cocaine Bear was what we thought it was. 619 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Anytime you can work this into the newscast and program, it's a good day. Former NFL coach, the late Denny Green on the issue of bears. The bears are who we thought they were. And as I said, cocaine bear was what we thought it was. (laughs) It's on, baby. Get it. (laughs) Screaming, growling, blood, guts, gore. I just love you you laughing. (laughs) Well, I was listening for the rest of you. evil, man. Your laugh is oh, very boy. evil. Well, what? I didn't hear a lot of out loud laughter. Really, there was one point when I laughed at someone's death, and I felt bad because I thought I was the only one laughing in the theater. <laughs> well, because this is not—it's sort of a true story. Backing up here, so Eric, <laughs> producer Greg Pancake Hill, and I—we went to the Mar- Marcus Bistroplex there at Southridge. Quite a theater, by the way. If uh, yeah, very nice place. See, come see us on the South Side, Eric. If you don't know, Cocaine Bear is loosely based on a story from the mid-80s where a bear got a hold of a stash of cocaine that a drug smuggler had dumped out over forest land in Georgia. So that actually did happen. The rest of it's all fake. (laughs) This makes for a great film. As you're seeing people getting torn limb from limb, you know that it's fake. And the movie was created with that in mind. Yes, yeah, I mean, it was it, supposed it, to be exactly yes. what. The bears are who we thought they were. It was supposed to be a bear high on cocaine ripping people apart. So you got that. So what did you think? That I could not have been disappointed because I didn't have high expectations sure. for a story arc for all this other <laughs> stuff that you guys were looking for. I was like, I thought I was going to go see a bear all coked up, tear some people apart. And so I, it was fine. For my, me. I fully admit before we started the movie, I said to you guys that my expectation level had gone up. 
that I was expecting it to actually be a little bit more than just a silly movie. See, Pancake had the same thought. He was all ramped up on his expectations. Yeah, I wanted something a what? little more cerebral. You know, <laughs> when I hear Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Why? The name of the film is Cocaine Bear. I expect a journey from point A to point B with a couple detours. But the thing is, is that that's what they actually tried to do, which was kind of disappointing. And actually, I, they didn't. Yes, I would have rather them not even have tried that and just made a silly movie about a bear That's it. Pill. Get Elizabeth Banks on the phone. Yes, I, I wanted more from Elizabeth Banks, because she has legitimacy. She is a yes, power player in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And she had great characters. The film had each character was interesting, had a backstory. Yeah. I, I just felt like they didn't all come together right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And again, I'm fine with it since I had no expectation oh, of like great cinema here. I knew what I was going to. But it seems like you have to have like one of those like lounge jackets on, sitting down, drinking a crevassier, going, Bill, I don't know about this. Did you watch Care for Cocaine Bear? <laughs> the ambulance scene, a little trite. Yes. Actually, the ambulance realistic. scene was pretty awesome. Best scene, right? <laughs> Best scene of the movie, for sure. Because it had a lot of those great characters all mm-hmm. in it. Yes. And they were fantastic. From Wisconsin's Afternoon News, we had uh, producer Adam Roberts. He attended as well. I love the music. Um, it was cool to see Scott Sice, even if just briefly, as one Who's of the ambulance, the ambulance driver. drivers. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Would definitely watch with multiple friends and multiple beverages. You right. Yeah, you need, you need to be watch this together with people. Absolutely. He mentioned the music, so it was based in the 80s, so it had a little bit of a Stranger Things feel to it. Not a lot, but just a tiny little hint of that, which I dug. I, I dug the music selection. I dug what they tried to do there. Thought that added a lot to it. Sandy yes. Max also was in the house. I don't know. I sat by you. I don't know. I couldn't tell if you were amused or no. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is the kind of film that I don't normally see, so it was a big ride. That's uh, true. No one normally sees this film. <laughs> so that's the review. Good stuff. It, cocaine Bear is exactly <laughs> what you think it is. Apex Predator. High on cocaine. Out of his mind. Well, the baseball on the air for you once again this afternoon. Cactus League season continuing for the Brewers. We've got the Royals. More information in just a moment on when you can tune into that. But great to hear Bob Euchre back on the radio this weekend. I checked it out a little bit on Saturday. Lane Grindle in the booth with Uke. Just like old times. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is I had a laugh, and this fits perfectly to the story that Greg Matzik has prepared for us. Greg's going to be in spring training through the week, right, in Arizona? Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're on the air, and Uke and Lane, and Lane starts tossing to a station ID, which most people wouldn't catch, but that's the thing where he says, 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves on the Brewers radio net, yeah. right? But it was like bottom of the hour. And I caught it, and then he caught himself, because usually you do that at the top of the sure, hour, right? Yeah. And he's like, ah. he said, I misinterpreted the sign from producer Kent Sommerfeld. Like Kent was saying, and I thought he meant, go to station ID, and what he really meant was go to break. And it, it just occurred to me, it's spring training for the broadcast <laughs> team as well, right? They're getting back in their yeah, rhythm. working out the kinks. So, Greg, as we said, he's in Arizona this week. He can confirm that. The Brewers' annual 30 or so spring training games are designed to prepare the team for the rigors of the 162-game regular season. 
But don't think the Cactus League is only for the players to get the kinks out before April. Brewers Radio is on the air from sunny Arizona. That's right. It's spring training for the Brewers broadcast team of Bob Uecker, Lane Grindle, and Jeff Levering, too. I wish you folks could see my scorebook right now. The spelling that I've come up with for some folks is atrocious. I mean, it's not even close. Any play-by-play man will tell you, keeping a tidy scorebook is essential. But keeping up with the changes made in a spring training game is a dizzying exercise. You have to let it go a little bit in spring training and understand that there's going to be, you know, guys' names spelled wrong. Um, Sometimes you're going to be spelling them as they're pronounced because you've never heard of them before. I mean, there's there's always a few of those guys in every game. So you just have to let go of that. Otherwise, it's going to drive you crazy. So what does one do when a player enters the game who doesn't appear in the game notes? I've made up names. I'm not going to lie. I've made up names. Um, you know, there are some guys with other teams that will make up a name every single day or they've got family members that have been gone for a few years and he will mix them as names of players. Now, I try... Wait, did you say a dead relative? Gets yes. Put- yeah, dead relative. Oh, come on. I've been gone for 100 years. Well, luckily, Levering and Grindle have a more seasoned vet in Bob Uecker whom they can learn from. Get up! Get out of here! Here's what I've been doing. Slow pitch softball, senior citizens, and there's no bats or balls. They write on a piece of paper what they did, like they hit a single or a double, and then I announce it. I guess to be the best, the key is to learn from the best. We go over all the rosters, every single one of them, to make sure we've all got it right. And Bob just takes us to school every single year. I don't know what it is. Typically, Bob will say, Jeff Jelilich, and then we, we go around and everybody pronounces it once, and then we'll do that about five times till everybody's got it down. Yeah. In essence, the first 15 to 20 games of the Cactus League season are a bit of a crapshoot for players and broadcasters alike. It's kind of survival of the fittest with your scorebook down here. From Brewer Spring Training, Greg Matzik, WTMJ Sports. <laughs> and I'm sure Uke never makes any uh, makes up any names. No, right? no. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd never know right? until he said, "Nah, that's that's not his name, buddy." <laughs> Billstad, that's him. More stories from Greg Matzik throughout the week, and coverage of today's game begins at 1:55. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The NBA's hottest team does it again. A game that saw a total of 14 lead changes, back and forth swings, and some key defensive plays resulted in the Bucks' 14th straight victory, defeating the Suns by a final score of 104-101. Drew Holiday led the charge for the Bucks with 33 points, while Brooke Lopez added 22. It was a busy slate of college hoops over the weekend for the state as the UWM Panthers and Marquette Golden Eagles walked out with wins on Saturday. The Panthers defeated Cleveland State 81-72, to and Marquette knocked off DePaul 90-84. to That left the Badgers on a Sunday matinee and a late Hunter Dickinson that ended the, their chance to make a statement on the road, losing to Michigan 87-79 to in overtime. As of Sunday, according to ESPN, the Badgers were still one of the final four teams in for the upcoming NCAA tournament. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The Milwaukee Bucks are the hottest team in all of sports with 14 straight wins. Yes, they have the league's best player and arguably a top-five coach and a fan base that constantly fills the arena to cheer on their squad. But there's one person who is constantly overlooked. It's the guy who pulls all the strings and makes all the choices and decisions. General Manager John Horst. If you don't recall, when Horst was initially hired in 2017, it came with much criticism, both league-wide and even on his own team, as he didn't even have the full support of the then-coaching staff and others that were in the front office. Fast forward to today, 
What if I told you that under John Horst that Giannis ended up staying in Milwaukee on a Supermax contract, which, a quick note, many thought he wouldn't. The Bucks would trade for all-star guard Drew Holiday, who continues to play a crucial role on a championship hopeful team. Brooke Lopez was brought in and completely took his game to another level. And after some underachieving years with the Bucks, head coach Mike Budenholzer was brought in, which has been a marvelous addition regardless of what some fans say on social media. When there's a move to be made, whether it's a trade or a buyout, it seems John Horst is there to make it happen and give his team their best chance to win. After the Bucks defeated the Suns Sunday for their 14th straight win, it also secured John Horst's 300th win as the Bucks general manager, which is good for third most in team history. And if you add 16 more wins, which the Bucks could get to this year, it will pass John Hammond for second all time. Bottom line here, the Milwaukee Bucks are aimed to celebrate with another parade in downtown Milwaukee. And folks need to start recognizing Horst as one of, if not the best executives in all of the league. This week with the war in Ukraine raging into its second year now, Americans debating whether our support for Ukraine, not so much an ideology, but in terms of cash and weapons, is sustainable and at what level? We need to put everything we have into there. That's Republican Congressman Michael McCall of Texas on ABC's This Week. Everything we have, he says, including even F-16 fighter jets. But the GOP is split on that thinking, as are the American people. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts is live with us in Washington. Steve, let's let's talk about the latter point first, some polling that you've been looking at as far as Americans being less sure now about continuing military and financial support for the war effort. Ukraine fatigue creeping in. Look at the Pew Research Center does some very independent polling. A year ago, only 7% of Americans said we were aiding Ukraine too much. That's ballooned to 26 but under Republicans, 40% of Republicans, two out of five, said we've been aiding uh, Ukraine too much. Associated Press asked questions slightly differently. Should we be sending weapons to Ukraine? A year ago, 60% said yes, that's dropped to 48. And so in the Republican Party, there's a real split. You've got people like Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, increasingly critical of the aid to Ukraine. He said it's not in our interest to be focusing on Ukraine fight. Uh, Donald Trump has called it a crazy war. Uh, on the other hand, you have folks like Nikki Haley, the uh, former governor of South Carolina, who's announced for president. He said this is a war for freedom, and if we don't uh, stop uh, Putin in Ukraine, the Baltic states could be next, and China could be emboldened to invade uh, Taiwan. Mike Pence also thinking about running for president, said there's no room in the Republican Party for Putin apologists. So you have a real split in Republican ranks. The Trumps and the DeSantis is increasingly skeptical, but the Pences and Haley's uh, continuing to uh, voice strong support. You know, and is this purely, uh, Steve, over financial interests, or is there some ideological split? I mean, I, I would think most Americans agree Russian advancing on its neighbor is a bad thing. All the other things that you mentioned about the possible emboldening of Putin, of China, uh, is, is it simply about the financials? Well, no, it's not. Uh, although that it becomes the, the vehicle, it becomes the expression of these larger feelings. Look, there's always been an isolationist wing 
in American politics uh, centered in the Republican Party. There's nothing new about that. You know, there is it has been a a, a vibrant part of American uh, foreign policy thinking for forever. Really, there's always been this wing of saying focus at home, focus on the problems at home. Don't get involved in foreign wars. I mean, um, uh, there's always been that impulse there. But I think it's been exaggerated by the politics of the moment, because I think that the Santos and the Trumps see this growing uh, uh, feelings of fatigue and, and, and think politically, you're going to run for the Republican nomination, that that is going to be a more popular viewpoint. But you do have not just the Haley's and the Pence's. I think the most insightful comment has actually come from Mitch McConnell. He's the Republican leader in the Senate. He's not running for president, but he's a very important figure. And he basically makes this point that there's no cheap option here. Yes, it is very expensive to be aiding uh, Ukraine. It's $50 billion and counting. It's going to be a lot more before they're through. And that doesn't even include the money that's going to have to be spent to rebuild that country when, when the war ends. But he says, look, there's no cheap option. You pay now or you pay later. If you don't stop Putin now, and he is emboldened to invade Lithuania or Estonia or uh, even Poland, and if you embolden the rulers in Beijing who think, well, the West has been revealed to be irresolute and weak, and now we can uh, be emboldened to um, potentially uh, invade Taiwan, the cost down the road would be much greater. This is a hard argument to make, that uh, it's, it's less expensive to invest this money now than uh, down the road. But that, I think, is the reality. I think that is the, um, the most uh, accurate assessment of, of the problem. There is no cheap option. Pay now or pay later, even more. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts. Thanks so much, Steve. Sure, anytime. And you can join us in WTMJ for a day-long broadcast. Annex Wealth Management presents WTMJ Conversations 2023. It's sponsored by Smart Spaces. All the names you know that make Milwaukee operate. Long-form conversations with professionals from all sorts of industries, including politics, sports, the arts, and more. It's coming up Wednesday this week. March 1st, starting at 8 a.m., Annex Wealth Management presents WTMJ Conversations 2023 right here on WTMJ. Time for the business headlines. From the Milwaukee Business Journal, here's Rich Kirchin. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel owner Gannett pushes digital subscriptions for its news publications. Meanwhile, sales of the print edition plummet to about 25% of where they were 10 years ago. The real estate arm of Marcus Investments in Milwaukee eyes growth with a new partner, new investment fund, and new name. Marquee Capital adds the Herbst family as a partner. Zizzo Group of Milwaukee wins the assignment to create the homepage for the Republican National Convention, Milwaukee Host Committee. The agency manages online and social media. I'm Rich Kirchin with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ.